Amen. Woo, hey, thanks for being black, man. I appreciate that. It was uh, good to be away. Uh, we got to uh, have some fun. Laura and I uh, were down at the beach uh, last week with our family. And, and anyway, we, uh, we took naps every day. Anybody like a nap? Man, it was awesome, dude. Let me tell you. Woo-hoo. And, uh, but it, it was. It was great to be there. Uh, the Sunday before that, I had an opportunity to preach at a, a church in Pensacola. And the pastor there is going to be preaching at our man camp in, uh, in October. So we're kind of swapping out a little bit. And then last week, I was on the beach being able to enjoy a great message with a guy who... Uh, he did the worship, he did the announcements, he did everything, but he, pr- he brought the Word of God and he brought the gospel there on the beach, there in Inlet Beach. It was pretty cool. So it was cool to be there, and I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to be away. I want to uh, just say a couple things. I want to say thank you to Pastor Dwayne Rembert, who did an incredible job last week. We listened to his message on the way back, and uh, man, I was, I, was, I was under conviction. I'll go ahead and tell you, man, murder, you know, is one of those things that we, we look at in our words, man, uh, we can be... We can be deadly with our words. And he did a great job with the message. And Pastor Daniel did a great job the week before. But I also want to uh, point out a couple of, things, couple of guys that I think do an incredible job here that people don't ever take notice of. But one is Hunter Heath, who was just in the video, who looks like the little model jumping up on the uh, stuff, who was playing the drums this morning as well. But he does an incredible job. He does so much that people never know. But he works behind the scenes. He does a great job. And then Eric Peoples, who was here leading worship this morning. Those are two young men who are about 19, 20 years of age, maybe a little bit older, and, uh, but man, they're, they're doing an incredible job in ministry and feel like God has a call on them to do ministry. So if you guys would give them a hand, I appreciate what God is doing here in our church and through some of these, these young people. But I, I want you to uh, take a pen out because uh, I know you got one. We give you one every week. So, uh, take a pen out. I want you to jot a date down. So August 7th, which is going to be a uh, first Wednesday, we'll be kicking off first Wednesday going back into the fall. That'll be August 7th, and we're going to have Saran Stacy who's going to be coming to speak that night. Saran Stacy was a running back for the University of Alabama, played in the NFL, and uh, he, his family was involved in a, a terrible car accident, but his testimony is incredible. And so everybody I've talked to that's ever heard him said, man, everyone needs to hear that guy's story. And uh, so I want you guys to write it down, invite somebody, bring them with you. You might want to get here early that night because we're going to try to touch base with all the coaches in the area. Ask them if they want to bring their teams to be come and be a part of that. But Saran Stacey will be speaking on August 7th. And then on August 18th, we have uh, our 15-year anniversary. So we will be celebrating that Sunday, all that God has done over the last 15 years here at Journey Church. And all the way back to the very start, back at the YMCA, we're just going to kind of try to celebrate what God has done. We want to take a minute. We're excited about where we're headed. But we also want to take a, a time and acknowledge what God has done over the last 15 years. And many of you guys have been a part of that. And so if there's something that uh, maybe you want to share, if you want to jot it down on a card, feel free to do that. If you want to post it on Facebook, you can do that. I just had an opportunity a few minutes ago praying with a, a young family who was, they're military, they're leaving, they're headed to Jordan. And I was thinking about all the families that God has allowed us to have an opportunity to influence them. And, but I believe that God, you know, literally sends them from here all over the world as missionaries. And so Uncle Sam just puts the bill. We just get to uh, invest in them and love on them. So if you guys would uh, just be thinking about what maybe... You want to share what God has done over the last few years uh, since you've been here at Journey Church. So, all right, we're going to we're going to continue our series today. Instructions included, and uh, today we're talking about a subject that is, you know, it's uh, I feel like is, is is needed in our culture, and uh, all of God's word is needed. But this is one I think just man, just it literally has so much to say to where we are in our culture today, and so we are we're digging into today talking about uh, you must not commit adultery. And, uh, and I want to, I want to say this on the front end. As I was singing that last song, how many of you guys like that last song? Is that a good song or what? There's a line in that song that says, God, there's not a, there's not a wall that you won't kick down. And there's not a lie that you won't tear down. And so I'm just telling you, I believe that God is going to, His Word is going to tear down some lies that many of us in this room have either embraced or believe. And so I'm just telling you that on the front end. I believe that God is going to tear down some lies with His truth today. That's one reason I put as much of Scripture as I put in every message, because my, my opinion doesn't really matter. God's Word will last forever. And so whenever we read this Scripture, I believe that God is going to begin to tear down some lies that many in this room have embraced or believe. And so look, uh, look, look, look at this uh, statement here. It says, we have a responsibility to teach our children how to have committed marriages that honor God and one another. We as, have a responsibility. And this is parents. And for all the parents in the room, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Look up here, raise your hand. There's a lot of them in here, right? As parents, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to teach my children how to have a godly marriage. 
how to honor God and how to honor one another. And so we have that responsibility. If we go back, what Moses has been given has been the Ten Commandments to give to the people. And if you'll remember back in Exodus, you know, he's saying, hey, listen, guys, I want you to take these, these teachings, these laws, and I want you to literally talk about them with your children, teach them to your children. So mom and dad, hear what I'm saying. We have a responsibility to teach our children how to have a godly marriage and how to honor God and honor one another. And so one of the things that we see is in that, in that verse there in, in Exodus, it's saying, hey, listen, make sure that you talk about these whenever you're getting up, whenever you're lying down, as you're doing life, as you're going about life. You need to be talking about these things with your children. And mom and dad, understand this. It's our responsibility. You might want to underline it. It's our responsibility to teach them. It's not, it's not the world's responsibility. It's not some sitcom's responsibility. It's not some TV show's responsibility. Mom and dad, it's our responsibility. And so in Exodus 20, verse 14, it's a very simple statement. It says, you must not commit adultery. You must not commit adultery. Now, most of us in this room would agree. We'd say, you know what? That's probably wrong. Probably bad. What is adultery? Someone is married. Someone's in a covenant relationship. And they cheat on their spouse with someone else. You know, and, or either someone cheats with someone who's in that covenant relationship. So therefore, they have committed adultery. Yeah, that's wrong. And even people who are, I'll be honest with you, are pagans. People who do not believe in God, do not believe. They'll say, hey, that's probably wrong. You shouldn't do that. You should honor one another or at least be committed to one another. So we often see people who are not Christians will say we're committed to one another. So they would say that's probably wrong. But here in Scripture, let's look at what some of what Scripture says. In Galatians 6, 7 through 9, it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. I mean, if you're planting, if you're planting corn, if you're sowing corn seed, what are you going to get? Are you going to get grapes? No, you don't. Whatever you sow, I mean, that's what you're going to reap. So always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest the everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Who doesn't want to be blessed? We all want to be blessed. A harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So we live in a culture and a time where many people are saying, hey, listen, the, the Bible, I know what the Bible says, but you know what, man, it's just not current. It's not relevant to what's going on in our culture today. I think it's more relevant than it's ever been. It's always relevant. And, and so the thing is, is we often, people say, I know what the Bible says, but I know what the Bible, the Bible teaches, but I'm not sure it applies to this situation. Mike, you don't know my relationship. You don't know how we're doing. You don't understand everything about us. And I don't, but God does. And here's the thing, God knew everything about you. Before you were ever born. We just, we just sang that, didn't we? When I was even your foe, God, you, you were chasing after me. You were, you were loving me. You were coming after me. I mean, think about that. When we were enemies of the cross, when we were enemies of Christ, God was still pursuing us. And there are some who live as enemies of the cross, maybe sitting in this room, that God is saying, hey, listen, I'm coming after you. I want a relationship with you. I want to redeem you. I want to save you. I want to bless you. And, and so the thing is, is whenever we, we look at that, we realize, you know what? God wants to bless me. And every relationship in this room, God wants to bless. But here's the thing. Many of us have stepped outside of the parameters that God has said, this is where my blessing is at. If he were to say, this is my blessing, and you step outside of it, he says, I will not bless that. Because he's a holy God who honors his word, and he's faithful. But he says, hey, within the boundary of marriage, I will bless it beyond belief. And how many of us don't want to be in the blessing? Man, we're crazy if we don't want to be in the blessing. And so look at it again. It says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So, so what is, what is this? You must not commit adultery. What is it all about? And I love this statement. It says, what it says in a nutshell is that all sexual involvement outside of marriage, whether premarital or extramarital sex, is a grievous sin against an almighty God. Now you might say, well, Mike, I don't know if it says all that. I think it's just talking about adultery. But here's the thing is, we're going to see, scripture is going to unpack this today. That whenever we have sex before marriage, we are literally cheating our spouse. And so you might go, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't care if you do or not. I'm just telling you what God's Word says today. All right, so, so what it says in a nutshell is that all sexual involvement, all sexual involvement outside of marriage, whether premarital, which is before you get married, or extramarital sex, is a grievous sin against an almighty God. All right, so let's look at what 1 John 5, 3-5 through 5 says. It says, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome so listen to what it just said loving god means that we keep his commandments that we follow his teaching you might say well 
Is that Old Testament? No, no, no. That's New Testament, right? That's First John. That's New Testament. So the New Testament is telling us that we are to line up with God's Word. Now, the, the Ten Commandments, we said this over and over every week. There, it's not that, hey, these are a bunch of rules and regulations that we've got to follow or God hates us. But it's kind of like God saying, hey, listen, these are the liberating laws of life. He said, hey, listen, I want you guys to have blessed relationships. Remember, the first four talk about our relationship with him. And then the others talk about our relationship with, with the people around us. And so what God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to experience abundant life. But, hey, be careful. So it's kind of like our kids. We say, hey, listen, guys, y'all can go out in the backyard and have fun. But do not play in the road. Hey, and listen, don't stick your fingers in that wall socket. Don't do that. You know, why do we do that? Because we love our kids and we want to keep them alive, right? God is saying the same thing. He goes, hey, listen, I want you guys to enjoy life. I want y'all to be blessed. I want you to enjoy abundant life. But here, here's some parameters and here's some guidelines because I love you and I care about you and I want what's best for you. And I don't know if you guys can get your mind around it, but God is not out. Of, he's not against us. He's for us. He's pursuing us. He's chasing after us. And so loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, they're not a burden, but whenever we fulfill them, we receive blessings and joy. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Listen to that. Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Not through our knowledge, not through our works, but through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? There's a question. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What he's saying, if you want to overcome this world, you have to have the overcomer living within you. If you want to overcome the temptations that are going to come your way, and I promise you they're coming, you have to have the power of the overcomer within you. You have to have the power of Christ, the power of God working in you to be able to overcome the, the battles that will come. And I'm telling you, they're coming. And you might say, well, Mike, they've already come, they've already passed. No, no, there'll be another wave coming. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to know that there is a battle that rages against me. And Father, help me to make sure that I am Filled with your power, led by your spirit, and not by this flesh that hangs on me. Too often what we do is we feed the flesh, and we wonder why we're not where we should be spiritually. But the thing is, is we should be feeding the spirit by spending time in God's word, and reading the scripture, applying it, memorizing it, and then also spending time in prayer. Spending time in worship. Believing the truth of God's word. And so, loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And we can win this battle. And who can win this battle? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So look at what it says in Colossians 3, 5, 6. So it says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. See, that's not just adultery. That's anything. Anything to do with nothing that is sexually immorality. Immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. So what the, what the Bible is saying, hey, listen, put to death, crucify that on, on the cross of Christ. In other words, put it to death and say, you know what, God, I want you to live in me. I want you to live through me. And God, I'm tired of living the way that I want to live because my decisions and my fleshly decisions always lead to decay and death. And so God, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit. And God, I, I want to walk in truth. We, too many times we have believed the lies. Look at what it says here in 1 Thessalonians. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you. He said, hey, man, we've taught you guys how to live. He says, you, you live this way already. And we encourage you to, to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. So many of you in this room often ask, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. You just read it, right? Anybody in this room that's trying to seek God's will today, you can read it right there. God's will is for you to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. Holy means to be different than the world that we live in. And the thing is, is we, we are to live in this world. We're not to run from it. We're to impact and influence. The church is not to hide and to pull away and say, we're going to do our holy huddle and we're not going to have anything to do with the world. No, we are to go out and to influence and to impact the world in which we live. We're, we're supposed to go out and make a difference. We're to live in such a way and walk in such truth that the world will go, man, I want what he has. Man, I, I want to have the joy that she has. I want to have peace that she has. And, and so whenever God takes us and he sends us out into the world to make a difference, we're taking a message of hope. And there's some that are out there that they're going, man, I'm miserable and the relationships that I have are jacked up. They're messed up. 
I want what that couple has who seems to be committed to each other even unto death. And so the world is looking for something that they can hope in. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. Listen to what that says. The Lord avenges all such sins. As we have solemnly warned you before, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And so you might say, well, I don't know if I agree with Mike. It doesn't matter if you agree with me. What you're doing is you're rejecting a holy God. And so there's plenty of Christians. And let me just say, who am I teaching to today? I'm teaching to the church. I'm teaching to the church. I don't expect the pagans, people who live outside of God's will, guys who live outside of the body of Christ, people who do not know Christ, I don't expect them to live according to the Word of God. But I will say this. God does expect us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, to follow the teaching and to live in such a way that we are a witness to those who do not know Him. Like, I tell people all the time, how we worship in here should be such a witness that when people come in, they look around and they see that, you know what, we really believe the words that we sing, we really believe in the God that we're worshiping, and that they desire to know Him as we know Him. That should be part of our witness. And then here's the thing, whenever we walk out of here, and how we conduct our relationships, and how we, how we handle our marriage, and, and how we honor the covenant of marriage, should be part of our witness in a world that is looking for hope and is looking for truth. And so, as I said earlier, I believe that God's Word literally is going to tear down some lies that many of us as the church, as believers, as followers of Christ, have embraced or believe. It says this. It says the problem we see in today's culture is that we don't see either premarital or extramarital sex as a grievous sin. The culture's changed. There was a time whenever people would see that and they would call it for what it was. And we got to the point of where we don't see it as sin. I think there was a time, and maybe in some of you guys' life, there was a time whenever you saw sin and, man, it bothered you. It grieved your spirit. I mean, you you were almost sick, you you know, and you're like, man, I, I can't continue on until I confess this to God or confess this to whoever I've sinned against. And I, I, I can't continue on. And there may be some of you, you know, you got to the point where you kind of got over getting conviction. And you said, you know what, man, they don't know, and ain't, what, what they don't know ain't going to hurt them. And so you kind of keep moving through the motions. But you know deep down in your spirit that you're walking in sin or you're living in sin. And what God has said, hey, listen, man, we, we can't sit here and justify it. And so here's, here's what happens. The problem in today's culture is that we don't see either premarital or extramarital sex as a grievous sin. Number one, because we consider it's normal. We just say it's normal. It's what they're all doing. You know, and so here's the thing. We, you know, we've got teenagers in here. We've got young people in here. We've got college students here. We've got singles in here. And so it's almost like, you know, hey, the normal thing is, is they're going to have sex. That's just, that's what they're doing this day and time. It's kind of like pot, marijuana. You know, hey, you know, it's legal in most states. It's probably going to be legal here too. That's what everybody's doing. It's still illegal. It's still wrong. And so what happens is we begin to say, well, that's what everybody's doing. That's normal. And, you, you know, you talk to your kid about something. Hey, mom, dad, this is what everybody else is doing. So what? They jump off a cliff, you're going to jump off a cliff. Isn't that the old saying? If they jump into a fire, you're going to jump into a fire. But what we do is we begin to say, well, that's just, it's normal. That's what everybody's doing. Well, you know, everybody buys their six-year-old a phone now. That's normal. That's what they do. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what everybody's doing. Everybody has a kid, a tablet for their kids so they can babysit them rather than us teaching them. That's what we, isn't that normal? I mean, that's normal, right? Kid turns 16, they get a $45,000 car, right? Isn't that normal now? Seems like it. So what we do is we say it's normal. And so it's what all, it's what everybody's doing. And then look at the next one. It says it's promoted. So, so premarital sex and extramarital sex, according to God, is a grievous sin. But according to what is promoted, it's, it's okay. It's promoted in our homes. It's on our TVs. You know, many of us in this room probably would pay to have cable or dish network or some form of, you know, getting it into your house, uh, whether it's through some kind of Wi-Fi uh, format or whatever. So anyway, you have that coming into your house. And most of us, you know, we even go, hey, does it have parental controls? Because we know there's what? 
there's garbage on there. There's a little bit of poop on there. You know, we say, hey, we need to go ahead and figure out how to keep the kids from being able to see certain things. Now, we can watch it. Kind of the mentality most parents have. If your kids can't watch it, maybe you don't need to watch it. And so what we do is we sit there and we, we pay. I don't know how much you pay a month to have the service brought into your house. I was talking to a guy for the first service. He said, what we're doing is we're pretty much paying somebody to pump uh, sewer into our home. I said, that's a good way of looking at it. And so what we do is we bring it in and we say, well, we're not going to do HBO. And we're not going to do Showtime and some of those really bad ones because we know that they're pretty bad. And we know that they're, they're anti-Christian anything just about it. So we're not going to watch that. So we'll watch the other shows. But here's the thing is even the previews for other sitcoms and other things oftentimes are promoting either premarital sex or extramarital sex or sexual immorality of some form. And so it's in our home. We bring it in. We pay, we shell out, we write out a check every month, whatever, and we have it brought into our home. And sometimes we just get so tired of trying to figure out some type of filter, we just don't care anymore. So it's promoted, and you say, well, and some of you guys might say, well, Mike, we know we don't have cable, but here's the thing, it's on your radio too. And it doesn't matter what generation, I know 80s was the best, but I'm just saying, it doesn't matter if it's 80s, 90s, whatever, it doesn't matter when you were, if you go back and listen, it doesn't matter what style, it doesn't matter if it's country, it doesn't matter if it's rock, it doesn't matter if it's pop doesn't matter, you know, what style it is. If you go back and listen to the lyrics, there's a lot of sexual immorality in there. And so what we do is we, we justify it because, hey, it's got a good beat. Like there's, there's one group that I like. I like the music, the sound of their music. I just can't stand their lyrics. And so here's the thing is I have to be careful that I don't listen to their songs because I like the way it sounds. I just don't like the lyrics. I don't like what it says. And so many of you are the same way. You, you hop in the car, you turn it on, and it's on your radio. You know, and I got to have a little bit of that. You know, whatever it is, whatever style you like, it's something along those lines pushing the envelope. And then you may say, well, Mike, we don't use the radio. Well, you use your phone. Maybe you got your AirPods in or whatever. So you're listening to stuff. And so here's what I'm saying is we promote to ourselves. We pump it into ourselves. We pay for instruments that will pump certain things into our mind that we as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, say that we don't believe is right. But yet we listen to it over and over. And I'm just telling you, you listen to it long enough, you'll begin to believe the lie that this world is pushing. And here's the thing. Moms and dads, let me just say this. Your children will believe it. Because they believe that you don't care anymore. And, and what the kids need to understand is that we do care. And we are going to teach truth. And it may be old-fashioned, but it will, here's the thing. It's, it's God's Word. It will last forever. Here's the third thing that's expected. It's, it's, it's just the world we live in. It's expected. Now, this, this is what breaks my heart a little bit, is that it, it's expected. We say it's normal, but it's expected. Like, we expect them to have sex with someone before they get married. It's, you know, what if someone were to save themselves for marriage? That would be like an anomaly. Like, whoa, can you believe that? They actually saved themselves for marriage. They went against the norm. And, and so here's the thing. It's expected that they'll lose their virginity. In, in a culture, and here's the thing. I'm talking to the church. You know, and, and it's expected that marriages end in divorce. It's almost expected. Half of marriages end in divorce right now. Even the ones that are Christian marriages end in divorce. Half of them. You might say, well, well, there's no reason to get married then. We're going to talk about that. But I'll just tell you this, that half of the marriages end in divorce. So we all, all of a sudden go, well, I'm expecting to get a divorce. You've got the wrong mentality. You're beginning to buy the lie. And I'm praying again that God's Word is going to tear down the lies that many of us have either bought into or believed. Here's the last one. It's accepted. We stop speaking out and teaching truth. So not only do we expect it, we have accepted it. So there's some parents probably sitting in this room that we've just accepted. You know, I'm just not going to say anything. No, I think you need to say something. I think you still need to teach God's Word. I think you still need to teach truth. I think you still have the responsibility. Remember that? Underline that responsibility to teach our children the, the Word of God and the, the teachings of God. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I need to teach this to my children. I can't just sit back and, and hope that somebody else will. You know, we, we sit there and say, well, I know I need to do this, but Mike, that's an awkward conversation. I get that. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with all three of my boys as they were growing up. I can remember whenever they were little, they started asking questions. I would have a conversation. Laura would be like, oh, my gosh, they're so little. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, man, I just don't know if they're ready for that. I said, they're asking questions. They have that equipment. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, hey, how does this work? Well, we're going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And here's the thing. I was, at a, I was at a point man conference. Steve Farrar was doing a point man conference in Fort Worth, Texas. There were 1,600 men. And he said, how many of you guys did your mom and dad teach you uh, the biblical principles and the biblical view of sex and how to, how to have sex? 
And all 25 guys raised their hand. 25 men raised their hand out of 1,600. I didn't raise my hand. My mom and dad never said a word about it. He said, you know what? I don't want my kid learning how to have sex from some dirty magazine that, you know, that literally is trying to adulterate what, is, what God said is beautiful within marriage. He said, now I don't want some punk kid teaching my child how to have sex and he don't even know how it works. He said, so you know what? That's my responsibility. And he challenged me. He said, men, it is your responsibility to sit down with your little boy and have that conversation. And, and so with all three of my boys, we've had that conversation. And so we've got to be willing to teach it. That's our responsibility. You can't put that off on somebody else. You can't hope that MTV is going to teach them the right thing or, or you know, some, some TV channel is going to teach them the right thing. You've got to be willing to say, hey, you know what? What does God's Word say? So we've got to be willing to teach those things. So I, let me just say that again. We as parents can't just accept it and then here's the thing, not accept responsibility. We've got to be willing to accept responsibility and not accept what their decisions are right now and what culture says is okay or the lie that they're pushing. And so here's the thing, to adulterate means to make impure. So what is adultery? What is committed adultery? is to make impure. So what God has said is pure within marriage, what is beautiful within marriage, you know, it is literally making it impure. So to commit adultery is to make impure. So here's the thing. Let's look at this. So this sin affects way more than I think some of us want to accept. And so the sin of adultery affects, it's a sin against yourself. The sin of adultery is a sin against yourself. You might say, well, Mike, you know, they're, they're not, I'm not in a marriage relationship yet. I'm just single. I'm dating. But are you doing sexually immoral things? And here's things. You're cheating against your spouse who you'll, you'll marry one day. You're, you're, you're adulterating what God has made beautiful for within the confines of marriage. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you, bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So those are teachings for us. That we're to honor God with our body. And we're, we're not to lay it with a prostitute. Scripture even says it. Hey, would you go and lay your body with a prostitute? No, we wouldn't do that. But people do. And, and so the thing is, is, is it's a teaching. And, and most of what I'm reading here is out of... Out of the New Testament, not the Old Testament. The Old Testament says, do not commit adultery. And what we're doing is we're unpacking sexual immorality. And so it's a sin against yourself. You know, not only do we have to worry about, you know, diseases, and that's one of the things it's saying, hey, listen, it affects the body. But it affects not just the physical body, emotionally. Oftentimes, whenever you've given yourself away so many times, it, it's, there's emotional scars that go with that. And maybe someone just uses you. You think, hey, this is love. They use you. They dump you. And they're on to someone else. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're toting around all these wounds and these scars. And so, it's a sin against yourself. Here's the second thing. It's a sin against your home. It's a sin against your home. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Hebrews 13.4. Past weekend, I was talking with a, a, a relative, a family. Uh, we were together. It was a niece. And anyway, she begins to inform me that she was going to be moving in with her boyfriend. I was just asking her how she was doing. She was saying, hey, well, I'm going to be moving in with my boyfriend. And uh, she picked the wrong weekend for me to hear that because uh, I'd already prepared this message and I was, I was loaded. I mean, I was like, what? What did you say? And so anyway, so she, I said, so aren't you a Christian? She goes, well, yeah. Yeah. Uncle Mike, I'm, I'm a Christian. I said, well, that's not what God's word teaches is, uh, is okay. I said, so why, why would you not go ahead and get married? Is this someone who you want to spend the rest of your life with? Do you feel like you, could, you want to do uh, the rest of your life with this person? She goes, well, I don't want to get into that big of a commitment. I said, so you will give him your whole body and your emotions and everything else. You just don't want to give him the commitment of a lifetime? Is that what you're saying? She goes, yeah, in case it doesn't work out. And I'm sitting there going, so you're really not committed at all. So you're, you're just going to test drive it. So I'm just going to test drive this relationship, and that's kind of the mentality in this culture. And there may be some of you sitting here today, you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, and so you're saying, hey, I'm just going to test drive it because I'm not really committed. But here's the thing about marriage. It is a commitment. But the thing is, is you would think that, hey, if you're going to give yourself completely to someone, that would be someone that is committed to you. But if you're not committed to the relationship and to them, then you're both losing. And, and so we, we continue to talk and and I, so I said, well, here's the thing. I said, let me, let me send you my notes. So I get my phone out. I send her my notes from today. I said, I just want you to read the Scripture. And the reason I said it, and I said it earlier, the reason I always want Scripture is because Scripture never returns void. It always accomplishes its task. Always. 
So, you know, you guys may not agree with my opinion, but you can't argue Scripture. Scripture makes it clear that sexual immorality goes against the teachings of God, the teachings of Christ. There's nothing that you can bring up that will be a winning argument. I'm just telling you, you'll always lose. We all will. And so this is what we often have a tendency to do. We want to justify it, much like she was doing. She goes, well, I've got this friend of ours who told me that whenever, you know, she was dating this guy, that she, uh, after she married him, he ended up being a jerk. And uh, if she had lived with him a while, she would have found that out. And I'm thinking, no, he was a jerk already. You know, and so here's, the th- here's what I'm saying. You can learn if someone is a jerk, if this is who you want to spend the rest of your life with. You can learn that through dating. You can learn that through courting. You can learn enough about them. And I would just say this too, through pre-marriage counseling. You know, go to pre-marriage counseling. Like Laurie and I, you know, Laurie's teaching over in the, uh, the preschool right now, but, but Laurie and I, we went to 10 sessions of pre-marriage counseling. And, you know, and, and so I had a professor friend of mine who gave that to us as a gift. I think he thought we were really jacked up, or I was. And so we went through that, and we talked, and I got to hear Laurie talk about her family of origin. I got to hear, she got to hear about mine. She got to hear about my family and our problems, her family and her problems. Got to hear about our expectations on anything and everything. Sex, discipline, you know, where we were going to live, what we were going to do, all those things. So for 10 sessions, we're unpacking things. And here's the thing. We would have to go home and walk through and talk through some of our differences because we wanted to be on the same page. And, and, and what page should you be on? On everything in a, in a relationship, you should be on the same page. So we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, help me to get on the same page. So, so like my niece is saying, hey, you know, I don't know about this guy, so I'm going to kind of check it out. And I would just say this, you know, most of us in here, you know, if you're going to test drive a car, whenever you get ready to buy, you don't want a car that's been test drove by everybody. You want the one with the least amount of miles on it. Right? And so if you're one of those that's always test driving relationships, your value is going down in the eyes of the people that you will spend the rest of your life with. Now, your value in the eyes of God, He's never loved you anymore. But I'm just telling you, too often our mentality is, I'll just test drive the relationship. And what you're doing is you're hurting not only yourself, but you're hurting your home. And let me kind of unpack this a little bit more. It says, marriage, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Let me, and I've said this a thousand times, but you guys just have to hear it one more time. If a young couple decides, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to do whatever... And we're not worried about what God's Word says. You dishonor your mom and your dad. You dishonor your grandparents. You dishonor your siblings. You dishonor those around you. We've already talked about this. You dishonor the Holy God. And so, but here's the thing is, if you decide, you know what? We love each other. We're committed to each other. And we're going we're gonna to make a commitment. We're going to enter into a, a marriage covenant. And a marriage covenant is something that can't be broken. It's not like a contract like your cell phones and stuff where, you, hey, I don't like Sprint anymore. I'm going to go over Verizon, whatever. Just go break it. But a covenant is something you say, hey, God... Me and my wife are going to be joined together. And God, we want you to hold us accountable to that. And so, God, we are entering into a covenant with one another and with you. And, and so, if a young, a young couple does that, the mom and dad will applaud it. They'll even help plan it. They'll even help pay for it. You know, they'll pay for it. And here's the thing. They may even pay for your room that night so that you can go and literally have sex with one another. And they'll, they'll, they'll bless it. But outside of that, and here's the thing. God does too. God says, hey, enjoy one another. But outside of that, God says it's sin. And it dishonors the home, the family. Look at the last one there. It says, a sin against the church. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If you are a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have Jesus who lives in you, here's the thing, you're part of the church. The church is not this building. It's not this structure. It's not this facility. The church is every believer that is sitting in a chair around this room that has asked Christ to come and live within them. Ask Him to forgive us of our sins. And we say, Jesus, I want to live for you from this point forward. That makes you a follower of Christ. And here, therefore, you are a part of the church. You're the church. And so here's the thing. is Whenever you sin, it affects the witness of the church. You claim to be a follower of Christ. You walk out kind of like my niece and say, hey, listen, man, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. And I'm like, you're not living like one. You might say, well, Mike, that's offensive. God's Word is offensive. And so what I'm saying is we've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I want my witness to be one that, you know what, that it helps build up the body of Christ and that the church would grow rather than go out and live in such a way that I'm a bad witness for the church, I'm a bad witness for the gospel. But we say, you know what, I want to line up with the Word of God. I want to honor God in this area of my life. So it's the sin against church. So let's look at God's plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. And she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And so, I don't know if you understand that, but that's pretty much uh, the beginning of man and woman right there. That's Genesis. Go back to Genesis. That's Genesis chapter 2. Man, first man, first woman. God literally brings them together and it says he joined them together. And that joining together, that leaving and cleaving is, is literally like, hey, you know what? Nothing's going to separate this. And the glue that holds them together is God. And it's like, hey, listen, don't let this be separated. Don't let this be torn apart. And so we look back and we see that, you know what, this is, this is why a man leaves his mom and dad. Your child is supposed to leave at some point. They're not supposed to live with you forever. One day they will leave. One day he will find his wife. They will be married. They'll have children. They will grow and they will reproduce. And they'll literally pass that thing on to their children. And hopefully, prayerfully, if you have taught them and raised them and, and shown them how to have a godly marriage, they will do the same. It's still their choice. But whenever we, we look at that, we go, you know what? That was God's plan. One man, one woman for a lifetime. My, my niece asked me, she said, she said, well, is sex the only thing, Pastor Mike, or uh, Uncle Mike? She goes, is that the only reason that you shouldn't live together? I said, no. I said, I think there's other reasons. I said, but I think, you know, part of it's your witness if you're a believer. Now, if you're, a, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you live that way, that's, that's your call. But if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, then God's word is clear. And she said, well, she, and I said, and I said, you know, Laurie and I, I said, we waited until marriage. I said, and whenever we got married, we were able to enjoy that. She goes, so is sex the only reason y'all got married? Or one of the reasons y'all wanted to get married? And I was like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we wanted to enjoy sex. We wanted to enjoy being together. We wanted to procreate. We wanted to have kids. And she was looking at me like, okay. And, I, and I'm like, yes. But the thing is, is we wanted to wait and honor God. And we wanted to honor each other. And we wanted to honor our parents. We wanted to honor the teaching of God's Word. And so, yes, in marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Outside of that, it becomes a stain. And so look at this. Here's a couple of things. Number one, the priority of marriage. The priority of marriage, in other words, it needs to be second. First is your relationship with God. Second is your priority of your marriage. It should be number two. Your children come after that. The permanent union of marriage takes precedence over the temporary task of child rearing. The priority of marriage, the permanent union of marriage, in other words, that's permanent, takes precedence over the temporary task of child rearing. There's moms and dads in this room. Let me just tell you this, and I've said it a thousand times, it seems like we are living in a culture. Now, back in this day when the scriptures were written, whether Old Testament or New Testament, children were not a big deal unless it was a firstborn son. Women and children were not highly valued. I just hope you understand that. So oftentimes when you look back in here, it still talks about what the priorities are. But children were not a priority. But in this day, in this culture we're living in now, it's almost like child worship. It's like the children are more important than God. They're more important than my spouse, my husband, or my wife. They're more important than my job. They're more important than anything and everything I'll do. And and so the thing is, there should be a priority list. It should be God first, my relationship with my God, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my family, my kids, and then my ministry after that. That's the way it should function. But too often what we do is we invert that. And so the thing is, we've got to be willing to say, God, I want my, my marriage to be a priority. And let me just say, that priority comes in not just in, in a, hey, me saying that, but in how you spend your time. So let me ask you, do you look at your marriage as a priority over your friends? Do you look at your marriage as a priority when it comes to your expenses? Do you look at your marriage, how much time do you spend, or how much money do you spend on dating your spouse, or, or, or going out uh, you know, just to, to go out on a date with your spouse, a lunch date or something like that. How much time do you spend on them? Then let me ask you this. How much time and money do you spend on your children, on sports, on travel ball, whatever it might be? You probably don't invest a fraction in your marriage of what you spend on your children. And so the thing is, is even in your, your finances, it ought to be a priority. You know what? My marriage is second. My God is first. My marriage is second. And that's how I spend my time, my money, whatever it might be. And so you've got to ask yourself, is my marriage the priority? Or is it my kids? Or is it my hobby? Or is it my job? Or is it whatever else? Everything else takes precedence over my marriage. And here's the thing. You can expect a marriage that's not fulfilling and not all that you hoped it would be. And here's the thing. It's not in the center of God's will. The second thing is this, the permanence of marriage. We talked about it a while ago. Jesus speaking about marriage. God 
lays it out in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2. But look here, the permanence of marriage. Mark 10, verses 8 through 9. Jesus said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two, two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus says they're joined together. There's the glue again. He says, let no one split apart what God has brought together. And I always hope and I always pray that whenever a couple is getting married, that they both feel like that God is leading them to this relationship and that God has said, hey, this is who I want you to spend the rest of your life with. But understand, it's the permanence of marriage. And I know we live in a culture, like I said, where half of men in divorce, and it's kind of, uh, that's what is expected. But you've got to be willing to say, you know what, we're taking divorce off the table. Laura and I made that decision early in our marriage, when we're, whenever our, in our relationship, whenever we were just dating. Divorce is not an option, it's off the table. It's kind of like my, my niece is saying, hey, listen, yeah, if it don't work out, I'm out. Well, if that's your mentality, hey, if it don't work out, I'm out. You won't ever last, I can tell you. You've already made half of the decision to not finish what you started. You drive down the road, you see it on the signs, hey, 199, divorce. You know, not, no contest, divorce, whatever. I had a lady turn in her prayer request one Sunday. She said, hey, listen, if you would pray, me and my husband may be getting a divorce. So I, call, I get that prayer request. I call them on Monday. On Thursday, they were already divorced. I'm like, what in the world? That's the culture we live in. We're not committed to anything. We don't, we don't really mean what we say, I don't guess, anymore when we say our vows and we commit to, you know, be there to, you know, till death separates us in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, whatever it might be. But it's the permanence of marriage. That's God's plan, the permanence of marriage. The priority of marriage, the permanence of marriage. And then here's the thing. The, the third thing is the power of marriage. Marriage and, and divorce both, every, they both influence every aspect of our lives. Emotional stability. If you're in a committed marriage, a committed marriage covenant, where you both have said, you know, we are there for one another. We are in this for the long haul. And you look for ways to serve one another, to bless one another, to encourage one another, and to help each other be successful. You will have emotional stability. But if you're in, in relationships that constantly end in divorce, you'll wrestle with having any sense of emotional stability. You'll constantly feel like you're the failure. I'm the common denominator. And you'll wrestle with that. So it doesn't matter if it's a healthy marriage or divorce. They're both going to affect that emotional stability. And then you look at the next one there. It talks about physical health. We, we, we talk about physical health. They, they've proven over and over healthy marriages, godly marriages, healthy marriages. The people tend to be uh, in better shape physically, in better health physically, emotionally, relationally, in so many other ways. And one of the top ones, this is one that y'all might really like, is if, you, if you're into this kind of thing, it talks about sexual satisfaction is found in godly marriages. In marriages where there's commitment and honor. Those are the ones that are the most fulfilling. And, and, you, know, and, and you sit there and you go, dude, that's awesome. And then look at the last one, and even the outlook on life. Whenever you, you can sit down with someone, you can hold their hand and say, you know what, we're in this for the long haul. I want to grow old with you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Maybe you're, maybe you're just getting started in that relationship. But you say, you know what, we know that there's going to be storms coming our way. We know there's going to be challenges. We know there's going to be battles. But you know what, we're in this together. And I'm committed to you. I'm committed to God I'm committed to you, and I'm going to do everything I can to be the husband I'm supposed to be or be the wife I'm supposed to be. And there's something powerful about those words. You know, you think about just the, the power of marriage. Think about Jesus said, I am the groom, and the church is what? The bride. And so the very picture of the gospel that we see is that Jesus says, I am the groom. And the church, the body of Christ, those who have put their faith in me, is the bride. And so the groom and the bride, literally, are the message of the gospel. We, we have been entrusted with the, the opportunity and the privilege of taking the message of the gospel to the world. So one of the most important things that would ever happen in human history is the gospel being presented. Jesus going to the cross, dying, pouring out his precious blood for your sins, for your adultery, for your lies, for your sexual immorality. Jesus pouring out his precious blood so that you might be able to be redeemed and live and walk in holiness and righteousness. He gave that message. The groom gave that message to his bride. And we as the church are to share that by how we live, by what we teach, and by how we honor the covenant of marriage. I posted something the other day. It said, Satan loves to take what is beautiful and ruin it. And God loves to take what is ru ruined and make it beautiful. See, I know in this room, there are many of you that you have cheated. 
Many of you have already crossed the line. You've gone too far physically. And maybe some of you in this room right now, you feel dirty. God wants to make you beautiful again. You might say, Mike, I've blown it. I've, I've ruined my marriage. See, I still believe in miracles. I still believe God can save marriages that seem lost. I believe that God can take someone who has drifted so far off you think they'll never come back. He'll, he'll bring them home, the prodigal son. I believe that God is still in the, in the work, in the ministry of redeeming that which Satan has tried to destroy. So there may be some of you in here that you feel like your marriage is gone. Maybe you don't even feel like you love your spouse. It's not about loving them. It's about being committed to them. And if you'll do the things that you did in the beginning, I promise you the, the feelings of love will come back. It's not about feelings either. Feelings change. But if we'll honor the commitment and we'll work at serving and blessing and doing and lining up with God's Word, I promise you the feelings will come back. But there may be some of you in this room today that you've got to confess some things to God. You've got to say, God, I'm, I've been living in sin. God, I want to ask you to forgive me. Here's the thing I love about it. He will. If we're, if we're faithful to confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive our sins. He will forgive us of all unrighteousness. He'll wash us as clean as we can be. And so He offers to you that. There may be some of you, you're single, you're in a relationship, and you need to, you need to either end that relationship or either say, hey, listen, if we're going to stay in this relationship, it's got to line up with God's Word. There may be some of you guys that are teenagers in here. You've already crossed the line. Maybe you're, you're, you're feeling beat up. Maybe you're feeling like, you know what? I don't feel worthy. God loves you and He wants a relationship with you and He wants to make you whole. Moms and dads, we need to have some tough conversations with our kids because we love them. We need to teach them truth. But there's something that I promise you in a, a group this size, I promise you God is he's putting His finger on something. It's what, what will you do with it? And so let me hit these next steps and we'll be done. Number one, it says, I will confess my sins and ask God to forgive me. Maybe that's you. God's Word says, confess your sins one to another so that healing may begin. There may be somebody you need to go to to confess that sin. The second one says, I will honor the covenant of marriage. Maybe you're already in a marriage covenant. You say, you know what, I'm going to honor the marriage covenant. There may be some of you in this room that you're single. Maybe you're a teenager, whatever. But you need to make that decision today as well. You know what? I will honor the marriage covenant. I will honor those covenants that have been established by others. Maybe there's somebody at work that's been flirting with you. They've been saying the right things. They've been reaching out, patting you on the hand. You get that funny feeling, that little, that little tingle. You just need to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to have a conversation with them any longer. There's some changes that need to take place. But you say, you know what? I will choose to honor the covenant of marriage. The next one, I will take divorce off the table in my marriage. There's some of you in this room that, you know what? That's your number one go-to. Every time things get a little tense, a little heated, I want a divorce. I'm out of here. I'm not going to put up with this. And what you got to be willing to do is say, you know what? I'm taking that off the table. It's no longer a weapon. It's no longer something to badger my spouse with. It's the lie of Satan that that's the easy way out. Now, let me just be, let me be clear here. There are times in God's Word He gives allowance for divorce. If there's, if there's an abusive situation, you don't have to stay in that. If there's infidelity, God's Word even gives you the opportunity to step, up, step out of that relationship. But I'll just tell you this. I believe that God is honored all the more, even if there's been infidelity, even if there's been adultery, that if we are willing to ask for forgiveness and they offer forgiveness and God redeems that marriage, I believe that God is honored all the more. shows the power of the cross. I will teach my children God's plan for marriage by word and example. There's some parents in here that need to say, you know what? We haven't been teaching like we ought to be teaching. But today you say, you know what? I will teach, I'll teach my children God's plan for marriage by word. I'll use my mouth. I'll use my words. And I'll live it out. The hardest part is to living it out. A lot of times, you know, we tell our kids, hey, I want you to do what I, what I say, not what I do. No, we need to do we need to do what we say. I want to ask you, if you will, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to you. Holy Spirit, show me where I'm at today. Show me what I need to do today. Holy Spirit, bring conviction. I want to feel your presence in my life. And so maybe, maybe you're here today and you've been in an immoral relationship. And I want to encourage you. 
If you feel God tugging at your heart, if you feel God's conviction, that today you take a step and you say, God, I need your help. I need to end this relationship. Or at least I need to get this relationship in order. Maybe you've been flirting with somebody and you're in a marriage covenant. You need to end that. You need to end it today. Now, maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ. You don't have the Spirit of God living within you. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven, but you'd like to know. I want to lead you to a simple prayer. It's not so much the prayer that you pray with your mouth, but it's the surrender of your heart. So right where you're at, I just want to lead you through this simple prayer. Just say, just say this in your heart of hearts. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross, and I believe you died for me. And Jesus, I believe that your precious blood can wash away my sins and make me right with God the Father. So Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I'm putting my faith in you to save me, to cleanse me, to redeem me, and to set me free. Maybe from the bondage that I'm in. So Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I want to ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to teach me how to live for you. If that's your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. And just say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed to receive Christ. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you for the courage to raise your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed to receive Christ. I just ask Jesus to come and live within me. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you raising your hand. That tells me that most of this room is full of Christians. Let me ask you this. Are you walking in a way that your life is a witness of the gospel? Are you living your relationships out in such a way that you line up with God's word? If not, what adjustments will you make today? And what will you do to get in step with God's word? Because here's the thing. If we keep doing what is right, we're setting ourselves up for a blessing. That blessing is not just for us, but it will be a blessing for our children, for our spouse, for our family, for our church, and for our community. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for your love for us. God, I pray for anybody in this room. We probably need to go back here to the back to pray with someone. Maybe just to confess to someone. We probably sometimes we need to confess what we've done to someone. I pray they know the VIP room is for them. God, I look forward to today as we go spend time in fellowship at the pool. God, I look forward to celebrating those who are going public with their, their declaration that, God, that you live within them. They're going to be baptized. But, God, I thank you that we can stand on your truth today. And we can teach your word. I know what we've said today is not necessarily popular. But, God, it is truth, and it will last forever. So, God, I pray that you would bless every family in this room. I pray for every marriage, God. I pray for every marriage in here, God, that you would protect them. Father, give them the courage to not give up. We all have problems. We all have to work through them. God, help us lean into you and trust you completely. In Jesus' name, amen.